say die, we won't give in. We're number one, we'll hold the line. We won't step back, we'll just attack time after time. We're lightning fast, we'll drive like rain. We won't be beat, we won't retreat, ice in our veins. We are the storm from Melbourne town, we'll blow the others off the ground. We are the storm and we're number one. We are the Storm and we're number one. Welcome to Stormcast, the official Melbourne Storm podcast, episode 27. As always, a quick shout out to those of you who are supporting the podcast by downloading and subscribing to Stormcast with Gobs, the one and only Melbourne Storm podcast. Stormcast is your one-stop shop for discussing all things Melbourne Storm. Stormcast with Gobs is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. As always, I'm your host, Gobbs, and I'll be bringing you the latest news, views, and storm content over the 2023 season. Now, let's get on with the podcast, shall we? On the run, Grant on the lead. Since he's going to have to be part of it, don't you? Oh, what a shot. And now Hughes is going to run away. Eli Katoa with a wonderful tackle. And it's Jerome Hughes to finish the game. A match-defining hit by Eli Katoa, who was in sync and in tune with his inside man in Jerome Hughes, who was probably Melbourne Storm's best last night, uh, last weekend against the Dragons uh, at Wynn Stadium. Melbourne survived a scare from St. George Illawarra and moved one step closer to locking up a top four finish with a 38-28 victory in Wollongong. The 16th placed joint venture side threatened to wage one of the upsets of the season on Saturday, scoring three tries in a 13-minute skirmish to lead the heavyweights 18-14. The victory keeps Melbourne Storms top four hopes alive in their own hands and ensures they will finish the weekend in fourth place, one win clear of fifth place Cronulla, who are hot on their heels and have momentum. The sixth-placed Canberra Raiders, inferior for and against, means that the Storm are all but guaranteed the crucial double chance in the first week of the finals if they win in round 26 and 27. So... The destiny is in the Storm's hands. They can't rely on results to go their way or go any other, the bounce of the ball to go um, there any other way. It really comes down to just worrying about the, the task at hand and it's one week at a time. I know that sounds incredibly cliche, but it's so true. And that starts this weekend um, against the Titans. But... Looking back and reviewing the performance against the Dragons, whilst the Storm got off to a very, uh, shall we say, fast start, um, the Dragons hit back with three quick tries and the Storm were up against it at one point, trailing 18-4. However, once uh, the penalty uh, 
they received a penalty, it swung momentum, and the Storm were virtually unstoppable from that part in. So whilst they did probably not play their best, I think all credit needs to go to uh, St. George Illawarra Dragons. Uh, and as I made mention to last in last week's podcast, is that the Dragons had nothing to lose, and teams like the Dragons, who are not only mathematically out of the eight, but are, are far from even being considered or contending for a finals berth, they provide the ultimate nuisance value. And nuisance value they did. They had nothing to lose. They throw the ball around. They play unorthodox, unconventional. um, And that can trouble a side who's trying to be conservative like the Storm. The Storm are naturally conservative to begin with. But you become a little bit more conservative, more focused on the task at hand at just trying to get the victory. And that can sometimes leave you vulnerable, especially defensively, when teams are going to just throw caution to the wind like the Dragons did. And that'll be the, the same this week, and I'll touch on that with the Titans. However, an 87% completion rate, as you know, I always bang on about it. If you're completing 80% or over, virtually you're putting yourself in the shop front window to win the game of football. Um, the completion rate was 36 from 41 sets. Uh, and minimal, minimal errors. The highlights of the game were obviously the hat-trick to a returning Will Warbrick on that right edge on the right wing, uh, who was absolutely unstoppable, uh, and a double to Eli Katoa, who probably had his best game in a Melbourne Storm jersey thus far. Uh, he's obviously got his match fitness back. He's played the entire 80 minutes back on that right edge, outside Husey, um, and inside Marion Seve on that right edge. That that combination, that formula on that right edge now, because they've been playing so uh, so many minutes together and getting the reps in, you can see there's a greater level of cohesion, especially in attack. Defensively, mm, they weren't in sync, and Beliag spoke to that in the press conference in terms of stating that Ellie was probably one of the culprits in terms of going away from that system on that defensive edge. Um, and usually that just comes down to either fatigue or a lack of communication with your inside and your outside man. So your four-man, who is your, your edge-back rower, and your three-man, uh, sorry, your, your four-man, which is your your, um, your half, uh, and your, and your three-man, which is your back rower. So... If they're not communicating, that leaves your, your edge, so your two-man and your winger vulnerable, which we saw. Um, and when you're starting to retreat and go back in defence rather than having that up and in, that jam that jam in mentality to try and shut down shape, that leaves you vulnerable. And that's what we saw on the weekend, and it, it got exposed. So that's an area they, they're going to have to fix up quick smart. The right edge for the Storm has always been... Something of their Achilles heel. Great with the ball, but always a little bit suspect in defence. And that's something that they really, really need to address because coming into the finals, you can bet your bottom dollar, opposition teams, depending on who they play in week one, they will be looking at that as a potential weakness. So they need to get their ducks in a row and get that 
get that sorted ASAP. Let's hear what Beliak had to say about the performance. Great, uh, happy to win, happy to go back to back, happy with elements like 93% completions, but yeah. overall describe your level of happiness about that. Yeah, I just thought, um, oh yeah, like I, there's some things that we probably not happy about, but there's probably more things that we are happy about. I thought George played really well. Um, uh, you know, like our completions in the second half, that's what won us the game, you know, and they're, you know, when they put their points on um, in that first half, you know, I don't think we touched the ball for about six sets, you know, and part of that was our, I think we had a couple of six agains and a couple of penalties, and I think we had a couple of errors there as well. I think the, um, yeah, I can't remember, I think we, we dropped the ball or something, so, like, again, yeah, they, they put put a bit of fatigue in us then, actually, and um, with all due respect, a couple of the their tries were. I was disappointed in that you know we went away from our system, our really defensive system. So that, that that was disappointing. But um, like I say, we're, you know we're we're stoked that we're we're fought back, you know, from that far down and, and managed to hang on at the end. You know, it's um, you know, as I said, you know, there's some real good points to it, but you know, there's a couple of things that you know we need to be aware of and and hopefully do a little bit better. Totally different games, but do you see tonight as a a step forward on last week again, or do you not? Uh, yeah, you know, I think the, probably the disappointing thing that and it stands out straight away is last week. You know, we had two points scored against us. You know, tonight we had twenty-eight. So that, that that's uh, the disappointing thing for me. That you know, we defended so well last week. That was our best defensive performance of the year by a mile. Um, where we couldn't quite back that up, especially in the first half. You know, this week. Um, yeah. So you know, there's some things that. You know, we need to have a look at there, but you know, to, I can't remember the last time we come back, you know, from 14 points down and you know to win a game and um, yeah. So as I said, it was a, it's a bit of a mixed a mixed bag for us, you know. But um, like I say, I think you know St George really played well and you know Ryan's really done a good job since he's you know he's taken over and um, you know I thought you know they really turned up to play tonight, you know the Dragons. So, yeah, to echo Craig Bellamy's comments, I think defensively he was very disappointed, especially coming off the great win uh, against the Raiders the week before where they held the Raiders scoreless. And what I mean scoreless, I mean trialless, I should say, where they only conceded two points and then they conceded 28 points against the Dragons. I mean, that's not good enough. Uh, and going into the finals, again, traditionally you look at you look at history over the 115 years of Premiership Rugby League in this country, since 1908 to 2022, 99.9% of the time, the two best defensive teams make the grand final and the best defensive those two best de- defensive teams end up fighting it out to see who's going to be Premiers. Now, at the moment, the Panthers virtually have one hand on the Proven Summons trophy. They're conceding 12 points or less a game. So if you're averaging about 11, 11.3, 11. 11.4 um, points a game over the duration of, you know, 24 rounds, that's insane. And Storm teams of the past have done that. They've got down to about 10. That's when the Purple Wall and the Juggernaut was there, where they were just a, a complete purple defensive wall and the inconsistency in defence, be it through, again, chopping and changing with 
edges and players coming in. You got to remember too, the Storm have had on both edges, they've had two new wing center combinations. So that then extends itself to center edge back row combinations. So you're talking about two or three players on both sides of the field on those defensive edges, on those tram lines. They're building new combinations, and that leaves, that leaves you exposed. That leaves you exposed defensively because you're not plugged in to that system as the previous players were. So when Justin Ollum was there on the left edge and Remus Smith was there on the right edge, because they've played so many games together, they've done all the preseason work together, all those reps, all those scrimmage sessions, the opposed sessions with their inside and outside men, there's that sort of continuity and that cohesion that's there. But when all of a sudden you take one of those players out of that system and you inject um, new players come in, defensively, I know I know it sounds like it shouldn't it shouldn't matter but it does it does because those players aren't necessarily doing the same amount of training that they they may not be training in those same positions as well so all of a sudden the likes of Marion Seve who de- on his own defensively brilliant tackle effectiveness out- outstanding one on one great but that's not the issue. The issue is being able to defend shape and deception that is coming at you. And when you're when you haven't got those visual cues or the body language cues of your outside and your inside man, of your four man and your two man, and you're sitting you're sitting there in no man's land as a centre, it becomes incredibly difficult. It becomes incredibly difficult, especially if you haven't got momentum and you haven't you're not dominating possession. Because when you've got the ball, it's easy, which we saw against the Raiders the week before. So that's something that they're really, really going to have to put a major focus on. And the best way to, the best way to do that is just communication. Communication in defence is crucial. It's key. So that means that <clears throat> Meany at fullback or Pappenhausen, we'll get to that, needs to be organising that defensive front line so diligently, just barking constantly for 80 minutes every time they're, they're defending. And then it really comes down to that entire edge just working as a unit, and that all comes back to communication. So let's hope that is the case coming in this weekend against the Titans team who uh, are going to threatened because they've got a lot of points in them as well. So it's going to be a really, really good test. But we shall see. So, yeah, time, time will tell. But, again, to score 38 points, the takeaway, um, the positive takeaway from that is they scored 38 points. They came from 18-4 behind. Um, and that will give them confidence as well. Um Sometimes the best preparation is actually being uncomfortable and being in a position where you've actually got to get get yourself back into the grind, get yourself back into the contest. So, taking again, taking nothing away from St. George Illawarra, I think that style of game will actually benefit the Storm. Um, whilst we all loved and sat back and enjoyed uh, the Raiders game where they 
piled on 48 points, that's not always conducive to um, a good preparation and lead into a finals campaign because all of a sudden you haven't been tested, you're not hardened. Um, so potentially the Dragons could have done the Storm a favour. Time will tell. <laughs> Team list Tuesday. So the team list that was announced on Tuesday, yep, every, what every Storm fan and member has been waiting for. Ryan Pappenhausen has been named in the Melbourne Storm squad to take on the Gold Coast Titans at Amy Park this Saturday afternoon. Named in the extended reserves, Pappenhausen is in line to make his return from injury while Josh King has been rested from the contingent that took home the win against the Dragons in round 25. A late inclusion into the side last week. Will Warbrick has been named back in his number two jersey and will take his place on the wing. So let's have a look at 1-17. So Nick Meany is in the fullback jersey in the number one jersey. There was a little bit of school of thought that potentially the Storm may have ripped the Band-Aid off and just thrown Pappy straight back in. But um, at this point in time... When none the wiser, uh, Nick Meany will start the game at fullback. Will Warbrick, as mentioned, uh, is on the wing with Xavier Coates. Marianne Seve and young Tonomapia retain their centre positions. Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes are in the halves. Uh, Tui Kamikamita and Christian Welsh are in the front row with Harry Grant at hooker. Trent Laero, Elisa Katoa in the second row. And the Man Mountain, Big Nelson Asofa Solomona, will replace Josh King in the 13 jersey at lock. On the interchange bench, Bronson Garlic, Tom Eisenhuth, Tepai Moroa, and Alec McDonald round out the 17. On the extended reserves, we have Remus Smith, Ryan Pappenhausen in jersey 19, Chris Lewis, Tarek Sims, and Tyron Wishart. So. Virtually, that's the Storm's best 17 if you inject Ryan Pappenhausen into that lineup. So they're very, very close to full strength. And come 3 o'clock on Saturday, they may be at full strength, depending on the final makeup of that side. Um, feel, a, feel a little bit for Remus Smith, but. You can't take anything away from Marion Savo, who's been fantastic ever since he's come into the squad. Same as young Tonomapia. I've had a lot of people uh, sending me messages and, and, and asking me questions from, for the podcast. Uh, we'll get to that in and around Juzzy Ollum. And it's one of those things where you, you can't change a winning team and you can't you can't drop a player who, who is actually doing the job and is in form. And... Credit where credit is due, Marion Seven and Young Tonomapia, they don't deserve to be dropped. They don't deserve to be dropped. So as frustrating as it is for, for, for Olam and, and Smith, they're just going to have to bide their time. And if anything, that speaks to the strength and the depth of the Storm list at the moment, which is great, especially something, I suppose, over the last two years has been the... The, the outside back depth has been a, has had a question mark over it. And now all of a sudden, you've got your first choice centres that, that are sitting in 
in reserve grade, which to me, that's a big tick. That speaks to the depth that you've got ready-made, capable replacements ready to come in and do a job and do a job effectively. So, again, it's one of those things where you can't replace Seve and Tonomapia because they've, they've done nothing to warrant uh, being dropped in that regard. The forward pack looks really, really strong. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, even though Nelson has been named in the 13 jersey, it wouldn't surprise me to see him revert back to the bench and potentially, potentially Bronson Garlic start at lock. Um, and then all of a sudden you've got Tepai Moroa, Alec McDonald, um, Nelson with that middle third rotation along with Tom Eisen who, who can play on an edge or play in the middle as well. So it's, pro- it's quite a strong bench proposition if that's the way it looks. But in saying that too, there's number 19 who may, may potentially force his way onto the bench. If not, they're going to start. But all signs at the moment point to Pappenhausen potentially starting on the interchange bench, which means that potentially Bronson Garlic may drop out with Pappy coming in. So again, it just speaks to the strength of of the players available at the moment. It's 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 a it's a great headache to have. You would rather have this headache in terms of who do I leave out rather than who have I got to put in, which we saw at the start of the year when the Storm were missing up to thirteen players through injury. You know they had this they had ten players in round one and round two. I think well, I think it went up to eleven at one point. They had eleven unavailable, so you 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 know you're scr- you're scratching the bottom of the barrel to try and put a team together. And now we're tripping over players because you know touch wood, all those players are are fit and available and 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 putting their hand up for selection. So it's a conundrum, but it's a good it's a good conundrum to have, uh, and you'd rather be in this position than not. So. And that's why Belliac gets paid the big bucks to make these decisions. Um, and in Belliac, we trust. I'm sure Bills are, will pick the right team. But, yeah, if I was a betting man, I would say Bronson Garlic potentially will be the player that's going to drop out. And you'll have Ryan Pappenhausen come onto the interchange bench with Tom Eisenhuth, Teppo Moreau and Alec McDonald. And as, as I made mention, the only sort of starting change I could see would be Nelson going back to the bench to provide that impetus and impact when the Storm need that sort of momentum at that 25-minute 25, 25 mark to get, some, to get some ascendancy through the middle third. Um, looking at the Titans, well, points galore in them. Um, let's have a look. They've got AJ Brimson, who's been named at fullback. Olofi Khan Pereira who's just having a really, really good breakout season on that left wing for them. Jojo Fafita on the other wing is a is a handful. Brian Kelly, extremely underrated centre. Aaron Chop can hold his own as well. Uh, a big body, um, defensively sound. Uh, Kieran Foran, the, the, the age-old warrior uh, in the sixth jersey with young debutant last week, Tom Weaver, um, who apparently is... Can, can be anything. He's got the world at his feet, uh, so much so. This is one of the reasons why Toby Sexton was let go uh, to the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs and why Jamal Fogarty was uh, released to the Raiders because they had this young 
Tom Weaver coming through the ranks, um, along with obviously Tana Boyd, who they've got there, who has just re-signed with the Titans to the end of 2025. So Desi has obviously likes what he sees in Tana Boyd, but Tom Weaver, um, a lot of big raps on this kid, and um, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure that um, I'm sure that he'll uh, and those those outside backs who have plenty of points in them will be throwing. A lot at the storm. They've got nothing to lose. There'll be a lot of second phase play. There'll be a lot of shift plays. There'll be a lot of off the cuff chip and chases. You can just see it. You can just see it. They've got nothing to lose. They're going to come again, similar to what the Dragons did last week. They're going to provide the ultimate nuisance value for the storm. So the storm are going to have to be on their game. Uh, Their front row is very underrated. Uh, Milwaukee Fodawaka returns from suspension. Jamin Jolliffe, a big body, the Irish international, uh, is in the front row with Fodawaka. Chris Randall, who just is a no-nonsense number nine hooker, who is a tradesman-like, he'll just tackle all day, gives good service, early ball to the halves. Uh, David Fafita and Cleese Hass uh, are in the back row. Cleese Hass is having a really, really solid season as well. Um, they obviously had uh, both for more who went down in um, the week leading up to round one. And that sort of, that edge back row spot, which Bo for more would have been, um, had it, had um, on his own, uh, it's been filled by former uh, Melbourne Storm player Joe Stimson and Cleese Hass. And Hass has, um, the last couple of weeks, has, has forced his way into that, into that side uh, on that right edge. So, again, um, some really good leg speed and good footwork. Uh, on those edges, especially with Fafita. We know what Fafita can do. He's just a handful. He's a beast. He's strong. He can break tackles for fun. Um, So it's one of those things you need to really shut down his time. His combination with Kieran Foran on that right edge is dangerous. Very similar to what Hughes and Katoa have. They've got a very, very similar thing going. Um, And it's it's almost like Kieran Foran has actually woken... Woken the beast of David Fafita. He's always had this potential. He's always had these, these, I suppose, moments of individual brilliance. But now all of a sudden, he's really fitting into their shape. He's really fitting in with that that system on their right edge. And Kieran Foran has sort of unlocked that in David Fafita. Um, and it, it's one of those things when the Titans get rolling and they've got space and time, Fafita is almost unstoppable. So it's really going to come down to consistent, effective line speed in, in trying to shut Fafita down and getting numbers in and around him because, one, he can break tackles, which means that he can make an, he can make a line break and set out inside or outside men depending on who's pushing up. But second to that as well, he also, he also can get an offload away which can generate second phase play and as we know, the Storm really struggle against teams that like to shift and move the ball because defensively they shut down shape very well, but it's that off-the-cuff, you don't know what's coming, second phase play which pulls the defensive systems apart. So that's something that they're going to have to really be on their game. Uh, Tino Fa'asul Malawi is at lock, former Melbourne Storm Premiership forward uh, who's just inked a 10-year deal 
with the Titans. And apparently that was in response to the Storm putting together a 10-year package. So they jumped and they signed Tino before the Storm could get to him. Um, would have been great to have Tino Fa'asumalawi back at Melbourne Storm. But alas, he has recommitted to the Titans and good luck to Tino. Um, but as we know, once a Storm player, always a Storm player. On the interchange bench, uh, Cruz Lemming, uh, the hooker from Leeds, Isaac Liu, former Rooster, Joe Stimson, former Storm, and Jacob Alec. Uh, and then on the extended reserves, they've got Kino Kinney, Joe Vuna, Tony Francis, Isaac Fa'asul Malawi, younger brother of Tino, and Joesi Palu. So, again, um, I'm, I'm not taking this Titans team lightly. I think very similar to the Dragons. They're going to throw uh, a lot at the Storm. They, they're going to come down for an ambush, um, and will be. it will be an ambush. They're, they're going to have nothing. They've got nothing to lose. They're going to throw caution to the wind. They're going to move the ball every opportunity. They're going to be unconventional. They're not going to get in a grind. They won't want to get in a grind. They will want to be trying to score on every play, every opportunity. So it's something that the Storm are really, really going to have to be focused on. And, again, that's going to come down to ensuring defensively that they're on because if there's the slightest bit of, I don't want to say the C word, but... Shall we say it? Okay. Complacency or their attitude is off by 5%, the Titans will score points quick. So it's it's one of those things where the Storm really may, need to come out hard, fast, and make a statement. And that all comes back to their defence. And as we know, defence is an attitude. So, yeah, let's see. Let's see what they say in and around that. Maddie Johns um, and Cooper Cronk on the Maddie Johns podcast were talking about the Storm's sort of, um, shall we say, the inconsistent form that's um, that's taken place over the past twenty three rounds for, or I should say, twenty six rounds, but twenty three gains for the Storm. Uh, interesting to hear what they said in regards to their consistency. Subject of looking tired, your old team, Melbourne. Like the other night, I said, Dragons were very, very good. There's a good team in that squad. Uh, they were really physical. They took it up to Melbourne. Melbourne at times, Coop, I thought they looked tired. Yeah. Uh, they were, you know, in, in yardage, I found them sort of standing around a little bit that was unlike them, sort of looking at each other. Um, you know, there were some pl- there's some players in the side that uh, if they can lock in a top four spot, it wouldn't surprise me. I think they'd be well served, given a few of those key blokes a week off before the finals. Yeah, potentially. Um, but the thing about Craig and the Melbourne Storm for this year is they strive to be a consistent team and they just haven't been yeah. ultra consistent. For example, the last two weeks, right, the Raiders... Dominate them. Only let two points in. I thought like a, yeah. a penalty goal at one stage. Defence thinks, oh, here we go. Here come the Melbourne Storm. And then against the Dragons, concede 28 Could, points. It's been the tail of their tape yep. all season. Yep. And I reckon those great, those great performances are a rebound from those average performances. Yep. They're in this cycle where they go, average performance, yep. you know, Obviously, it's a tough week of training. Craig blasts them. Great performance. Back to average, back to great. It's just been up and down. And I'll tell you what, Jerome Hughes is probably the one person that's continued on that 
upward trajectory. His ball playing, I think it's yeah. nine tries since the last three games, and some of his touches again against the Dragons yeah. were telling. And at a score where they were just ticking over the scoreboard, his input was vital. And we spoke about this last week. I, I just look at Melbourne, and they just need another explosive forward. Like yeah. there's their, their workman light, yeah. their gutsy. Like I get all of that. Uh, Jerome is that spark you see, and of course Munster floating around. You know, Jerome at the moment is the guy who's really penetrating through the middle. Yep. Ryan Pappenhausen. Yep. He's been playing terrific football on the sunny coast. Would you bring him in to the 17 this week and just give him 20, 30 minutes, see what he can do? Um, philosophically, yes. But I, from a performance point of view, I want to see what he's done at Host Plus Cup level in Queensland. Um, but I like the fact that both him and Meany can be in the 17 somewhere, yep. and I like both of them can have an impact. You know, I would probably start Pappenhausen on the bench. Yes. Right, and bring him on depending at some stage. I, I, I just, I think you have to. Mm. Um, but it does, Pappen, Pappenhausen isn't going to change defensive consistency. Mm. So I think that's the key to the Melbourne Storm because they can defend, and I mean, when I mean defend is like stop the opposition for long periods of time. Mm. I think they're a chance in that week one, probably playing against Penrith. Yeah. Most likely. Cooper Cronk and Matty Johns there. So, yeah, I, I can't argue with anything that they, they suggested there. And, again, it's been one of those seasons where one week good, one week bad, one week good, one week bad, it ebbs and flows, and it usually comes on the back of uh, a poor performance, bellyache rips into them, the hard week at training, they come out and they respond because their intent, their their care factor has been questioned, their will, their want, their drive, their hunger has been questioned, they come out and they put a performance on. So that's that's where Matty Johns was speaking to as well. In regards to being tired, yeah, again, it's, it's one of those things where Teams usually coming into the finals, they usually they usually up the load. And what I mean by upping the load, they load, they front load their training. It's almost like they go through uh, a bit of a mini preseason coming into the finals. Traditionally, the Broncos always did it under under Bennett, and obviously under Bennett was Craig Bellamy, um, and he sort of brought that to the Storm as well, where you sort of put a little bit more work into them and then come that last week and first week of the finals, you sort of taper off and you back off and you freshen them up. So you put, you put a little bit more kilometres into them, a little bit more match fitness, a little bit more conditioning into them on top of the game fitness that they're getting or the match fitness that, that they're getting, I should say. And then all of a sudden that sort of gives you a bit of a boost. So... When you're getting down to that 70th minute, 75th minute, 78th minute, and the game's on the line, you've got that extra surplus of fuel because you've you've done the work, and that potentially could have been why they they did look a little bit lethargic. And it, and it can happen. It can happen. But again, it's uh, it might have it might have been just one of those things where. As as a unit, they were they were a little bit off. They were a little bit fatigued and whatnot. But um, the Storms' performance team has a track record in terms of ensuring that they're ready to go 
and as we know, the Storms pre-season um, is synonymous and famous with everyone. Everyone knows that um, the Storm are one of the fitter teams, if not the fittest team in the competition. So, but uh, yeah, interesting comments, and it really comes down to exactly what Cooper Cooper Cronk said uh, in regards to it needs to be defensive. That defensive consistency and constancy needs to happen, and just having Ryan Pappenhausen back isn't going to change that defensive mindset. So, um, whilst you've got a racehorse, you can change the jockey. Uh, it's not going to make one iota of difference because if they're missing their assignment in defensive edges and systems. It doesn't matter who's at the who's at the back screaming at them and telling them. At the end of the day, it comes down to that individual accountability to ensure that they're working together as defensive units. So, um, again, it's a big test this week against the Titans who are going to be throwing the ball around and, and, and asking a lot of questions, a lot of questions. So, again, it's a, it's a danger game. There's going to be a lot of nuisance value that they, the Titans are going to bring. Now, with two regular season rounds to go and the ladder jam-packed, the race for the finals, as we know, is heating up. And if you look at it, the Panthers and the Broncos are in contention for the minor premiership. So first or second, who's going to fight out there? While several teams are fighting for a spot in the top eight still. Remarkable. Uh, And, I mean, what's even more remarkable is that the Eels are still mathematically a chance to make the finals. Yes, you heard that right. But a lot of things need to go their way. Uh, And if the round 27 clash between the Rabbitohs and the Roosters wasn't already set up to be a blockbuster, the final eight will likely all depend on that game. So... Effectively, there's 11 teams that can still mathematically make the finals. That's insane. It's what, what a competition we've got. Amazing. Who would have thought that the salary cap doing its job and uh, along with the introduction of the Dolphin, Dolphins, which has seen players sort of the, the talent spread more evenly thin across the game, has resulted in this amazing competition where virtually a team can drop a game and fall out of the eight, a team can win a game, fall into the top four. It's just, it's remarkable. Um, In relation to the Storm, their best and worst case scenario suggests that despite having had some hot and cold moments this season, they still hopefully look to, are looking to set to finish with a top four berth. Uh, they could finish fifth, um, as we know, uh, but they could also finish third if they win one more game than the Warriors over the next two rounds and make up any difference in points differential. Um, so really, if the Warriors drop a game then and the, the Storm win their games and can put some points on, they can finish as high as third but they can also drop to fifth if they lose one more game than the Sharks. So the Sharks have to, have got to play the Knights this weekend. 
So again, they're they're hot on the storm's heels. Um, so they can the storm can drop to fifth if they lose one more game than the sharks and slip behind on points differential. So Melbourne could even drop as low as sixth if they lose their final two games. And the following happens. The Sharks lose to the Knights in round 26 and then beat the Raiders and cover the points differential. The Raiders and the Knights win their final two games. But the good news is there's still a possibility the Storm can finish fourth even if they drop their final two games. So they take on the Titans' side first, as we know, this weekend. And the big challenge is going to be in the last round against the Broncos. Uh, And we'll preview that next week. Uh, And as we know, Ryan Pappenhausen has been waiting in the wings and has been named set to return this weekend against the Titans after spending the last few weeks in the Queensland Cup since returning from that horrible knee injury. So it's it's funny how it's, it's all going to work out. Very, very interesting. And again, it's... Crazy, crazy competition. Let's hope the Storm can solidify a top four spot. So some further Storm news. So Pathways and Feeder Club report. So the Melbourne Storm's Jersey flag team, they're under 21s. Um, They were successful on the weekends at Gosh's Paddock. winning a hard-fought 24-20 win over the Penrith Panthers at uh, last Sunday afternoon, needing a win to put the fate of their finals aspirations into their own hands. The young Stormers showed plenty of defensive resilience across the 70 minutes to set up a highly anticipated clash against the Raiders at home in the final round of the season this weekend coming. So, well done. Well done. This is this is a a, a young academy based Melbourne Storm team which started the season very very slowly, but then all of a sudden caught fire, and they've just been building and building and building and building and building. And to to beat the under twenty one Jersey flag Penrith Panthers team is no mean feat. I mean these guys are premiership heavyweights. You know that you're talking about you're talking about a team and a club that won the SG ball, the Jersey flag, the New South Wales Cup and the NRL competition last year. Their depth and their their production line of talent is insane. And more than likely, they're going to go on to win the Jersey flag competition again this year. That's how strong that this team is. So for the Storm to win 24-20 over the Jersey flag premiership favourites... That is remarkable. The amount of confidence this young Storm team is going to get from that win is brilliant. I, I can't I can't exemplify ha- having seen and watched the under twenty one Jersey flag Penrith Panthers team in the flesh. It's almost watching their first grade team. That's how good their system is. So they've got a style and system which is coached from their under-16s all the way to first grade, which helps the transition. So when a player needs to come into first grade, they're ready-made, they're not dawned because 
the way they've been training, the way they've been coached is exactly the same through all the grades. So there's that continuity and that that familiarity that that these young Panthers have. But yeah, well done to the to the Storm. Uh, the victory now puts them two points clear of the sixth place Parramatta Eels. So with the jersey flag competition consisting of a fine five teams final series, should the Eels lose their round twenty six clash with the Panthers next weekend, come on Panthers, do us a favour. Finals will be secure for the Storm. Otherwise, it must it'll, it'll be must win territory this weekend uh, for the Storm against the Raiders. So good luck to the young Stormers. Now our reserve grade teams, the Brisbane East Tigers and the Sunshine Coast Falcons have secured their places in week one of the finals. Absolutely fantastic. Well done. Really, really well done to to both teams. They, They deserve it. The, it was a do-or-die match for the, the Sunshine Coast Falcons uh, on Saturday and a clinical 37-12 to 12 performance over the Tweed Seagulls, who are the feeder team to the Gold Coast Titans. They did, uh, it did the job securing them a top-eight berth, which is fantastic. Uh, the East's Tigers then went on to finalise the weekend's game with a solid 21-point victory over the Wynnum Manly Seagulls. Seagulls, uh, Seagulls, who are a Brisbane Broncos feeder team. Uh, the Brisbane East Tigers will kick off the 2023 finals run on Saturday against the South Logan Magpies uh, at Logan Metro Sports Complex, whilst the Sunshine Coast uh, Falcons will continue their run on Sunday at KO Stadium against the Redcliffe Dolphins. And as I don't think I need to explain who the Redcliffe Dolphins are. They are the Dolphins of the NRL variety, uh, their feeder team. So it'll be a, a really um, interesting clash um, for our feeder teams this weekend. But with both securing their finals uh, positions, uh, it uh, reads, reads well. for, And it goes to show the depth that the Storm have got um, in the lower grades, which is really, really good. So with the... Under 21s in both reserve grade teams, uh, with the sprinkling of NRL players not required for first grade, it goes to show that the depth is building once again uh, after losing so many players over the past two to three years. So, really, really good signs for the storm for the future. Now, as uh, as I've been doing the last couple of weeks, I've been throwing it out to to you guys, the listeners, um, in terms of um, what um, you would want me to to ask. So, uh, I've I've asked for for podcast questions, and it's been good. I've I've had a lot of feedback, which is fantastic. Um, and I'm just trying to find. Right now, so all right. So Steve Steve Rice asks, "What about the kids going to a game? They don't have banking cards." I don't know what you mean by that, 
Steve, but Steve then backs it up and says, are the Storm going to continue supporting the removal of cash from games and the community? I think you're talking about Amy Park uh, in terms of being cashless. So it's all card-based. And I think that's where... I think I know. I, I definitely know a lot of the commercial stadiums, both um, in New South Wales, Queensland... Uh, and obviously Victoria, I think that's just the way everything is moving with stadium. We are becoming a cashless society, um, and I know not everyone is on board with that. I know not everyone, um, people still carry wallets, people still carry cash, but then by saying that too, a lot of younger people now, um, they don't. Their wallet is on their phone. So their wallet is on their phone, uh, their wallet is on their watch, um, so yeah, it's it's. I, I I understand the frustration there, Steve, but um, yeah, un- unfortunately, I I can't I can't help you in that regard. Um, yeah, it's 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 frustrating, but it's one of those situations where I suppose once the decision's made, it's it is it's. We are becoming a cashless society and professional sport and sporting venues are not immune to that. So, um, yeah, um, sorry to hear that frustration, uh, but unfortunately I can't, I can't make – I'm not a decision maker in that regard. But potentially if you do reach out to the club, uh, maybe give the club a call and just, just let, let your concerns be heard and see, see, see what they can – see what they um, – they come back with you with. And I'm, I'm sure you're not alone, Steve. Um, I'm sure there would be other people that would be suggesting the same thing. Um, Jen Finnegan, uh, looking to 2024 and considering no significant roster changes for once, do you think we will be more consistent next year? A threat to Penrith. P.S. Love the podcast. Well, thank you, Jen. I'm glad you love the podcast, and I'm, I hope everyone loves the podcast. Um, to your question, uh, well, thank you for listening as well. Um, to your question, yeah, I do. I, I really do. I think, uh, and I, I think I've just made mention to it earlier in regards to the under-21s, the Jersey flag team, um, the performance of Brisbane East Tigers and Sunshine Coast Falcons both making, both making the finals. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of young kids and youth in this storm team like whilst you've got your senior leaders in you know, Munster and Christian Welsh and Nelson and and whatnot these guys this is the other thing too these guys are under 30 still you know they're not 30 so you're talking about your leaders your leaders are not 30 you and then all of a sudden you've got the likes of Xavier Coates who's only what 21 22. Uh, Alec McDonald's 20, turning 21. Uh, Ellie Cattell's 21, turning 22. So there's a lot of youth. Trent Liero, he's another one. Like, he, he hasn't... He's not even a, a, a 50-gamer yet. So there's a lot of youth, and they're only going to get better. With another preseason, um, Tim Sheen's the great um, former Raiders coach. Um, and, well more recently departing West Tigers coach, used to say um, that you're not a first grader until you've played 100 games. 
and that's usually about four seasons. So a, a good first grader, I should say. So, yeah, to your, to your point, uh, Jen, um, I think there will be a greater level of consistency because these, these kids are going to get more. They're getting the experience now. They're getting the experience now. So the likes of your Grant Andersons and um, and your Will Warbricks, um, they're going to be better for the run. They're going to be better for the run. The Tyron Wisharts, um, and that's the thing. It's you can't. There's one thing you can't do, and you can't put an old head on young shoulders, right? So um, with that sort of consistency, a lot of the squad is wrapped up until 2025, which gives that sort of stability in your playing group uh, and your list. And if you've got stability and uh, in in your list of 30, then all of a sudden you're building cohesion, you're building roster purity because these guys have been playing a lot together, beating the lower grades, getting all those reps at training and then playing more regularly, consistently, week in, week out at first grade level. Yeah. There's, there's definitely, I think, um, the minimal disruption, the minimal turnover in the roster, I think that's going to be a major benefit to the Storm going forward. So, uh, and yeah, uh, I, I think 20, I mean, 2023 is not over. Let's let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I think 2024, I think we're going to see a greater level of consistency. Um, and hopefully that means... Um, greater performances and, again, another finals berth coming into 2024. But, alas, let's focus on 2023. But, yes, I, I, do, I do agree that there will be a greater level of consistency because of the uh, less disruption to the spine, less disruption to the entire uh, roster going forward. <laughs> Thank you for the podcast questions and thank you for listening. That's all for this week. Really appreciate, again, all the support. Um, people that are that have just discovered the podcast, thank you for, for finding it. Thank you for subscribing, for downloading, listening. Keep, keep spreading the gospel. Tell as many Storm fans uh, that you that you know and spread the gospel. Um, again, uh, the reason why I'm doing it is to really try and help uh, – promote the Storm brand uh, and get a greater reach for the club uh, outside its traditional markets. So thank you so much. Uh, and, yeah, let's hope, um, let's hope it's, a, it's a great uh, weekend of rugby league and the Storm come away with a resounding victory uh, as we head into what is the penultimate round, penultimate round, which means second last. Um, coming into the Titans, and then all all stations lead to Suncorp for round twenty seven. So go Storm! Oh, tip! Uh, I'm going to say Storm by fourteen, but would take a win at any cost. <laughs>